on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. And we are back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Getting closer. Inching closer. Two national signing day, at least the first day of the early signing period, right? There's a signing period in February, but the early signing date has become the predominant, the primary signing date. So we will talk about the twists and turns and all the hot buzz items leading into that. Going to do so today. One third of the crew not with us today, but I'm sure Bryce can more than fill in the gap. Talk about my man Bryce Marriage. Bryce, how are you? Good. I'm just getting ready for. Uh you know, early signing period here. So it should be a fun time and we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Before we dive in, want to remind those of you who like this podcast, be sure to rate it, be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. And they can find it wherever they get their podcast. It's Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. If you're watching it on YouTube, be sure to like the video, be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way you'll get a notification every time we do a new episode, whether it's the recruiting insider, the basketball insider with Tim McCormick, which we, Go back into today uh, with another episode, the football and basketball breakdowns, the film studies with uh, with Devin Gardner and and Vance Bedford and Al Borges. We're going to segue from the Monday morning quarterback to the Monday morning point guard with Daniel Horton coming up. So you got a lot in store. You want to keep up with that. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. You'll be up to speed. But the place to figure out where it all goes down. And to stay up to speed all the time is to go over to the michiganinsider.com. Subscribe over there. $1 gets you in your first month. And after you've gotten hooked, and you will, of course, folks, you will have access as part of your full membership to Paramount+. Plus. It is great bang for your buck. With that, Bryce, let's jump right in. I mean, there's a, a lot to tackle. You got the transfer portal. You got NIL. I know national signing, the early signing period is, is, is you know, fast forward. It's full speed ahead getting towards that. But NIL and the portal are playing a huge role in how many spots teams have available, how many spots teams are saving, and whether they can get whether they can get these kids, whether they be portal kids or kids they're trying to land out on the recruiting trail. Yeah, so essentially my job is become a portal guy as well. Um, that's essentially the second hand to recruiting nowadays. Um, and the portal officially opened, Sam, on Monday – and you got basically a, a mini college now in the portal of worth the kids. It's insane. I think it. I think the number now is over a thousand kids at least. And I've heard they're kind of expecting at least two to three thousand players in the portal um, by the forty-five uh, day window period they have here. But Michigan has always been kind of picky and very selective of how they approach the portal in terms of guys they're selecting. And I call it portal shopping, you know, and they go window shopping. They look for the best available. And at that point, if they feel like it's a fit, uh, not only on the field, but off the field, I think has been a big thing for Michigan. And you saw that with Olu, who just now won the Remington Award, the Outland Trophy Award, um, and they hit a home run with that transfer portal. And even uh, Yabioki, you know, that was in a, a perfect land as well. 
but they're not a school that you're going to see at least, you know, 10 to 12 guys always come into Michigan. But I think with recruiting, with the transfer portal, how they're approaching it is you want to save some spots just in case you see some guys in the transfer portal because as many schools and many coaches would even agree upon this statement is, what would you prefer, Sam? A guy that's developed and maybe he's 22 or a freshman or basically coming to college for the first time and experiencing college life and strength and conditioning program he's never had, which he had, you know, in high school at that level. Um, so I think you always want to look that route and that avenue. But Michigan, day two in, they picked up a big, big transfer portal yeah. commitment. And Ladarius Henderson, 6'5", 310 pounds, offensive guard slash tackle of uh, Arizona State. This is a guy that had an East-West Shrine Bowl invite. He turned it down, kind of was looking at some of his options. Michigan was one of the schools he actually followed throughout the college football season. And he really liked their approach, how they handle the offensive line room. Huge fan of Sharon Moore. Sharon Moore has been, I mean, a rock star on the recruiting trail and with the transfer portal. And so this is a guy that has 29 starts underneath his belt. Um, He was looked upon as maybe a draft prospect as well for this year, the 2023 NFL draft, but he broke his hand. So he was, you know, out for several games this season. Arizona State, you know, they had Herm Edwards leave the program. Um, The offense line wasn't the greatest, but he was – you know, the centerpiece, the rock in terms of what they did up front. And I talked to several sources um, that knew him very well as a player. And they were, one, they're kind of shocked of how Michigan got this done very quickly. But they said, in terms of a player, he fits the mold of what Michigan likes to do up front to a T. You know, he's built for the Big Ten style of play. He's built for physical, um, you know, strong at the point of attack, and he's a Muller. That's what I was told. He's straight Muller, and he's the guy that I also kind of compare to as a Carson Barnhart where you can move him around. He's a guy that can be flexible. He, like I said, he's played the guard position. He's played the tackle position. I think there's a better chance he's going to play tackle, and people might say, how's the guy who's 6'5", 300 pounds, going to play tackle? Well, look at Michigan at John Runyon. You know, Absolutely. play the tackle position and look how well he did. And now he's obviously transferred over and then a fell ranks to guard and he's done really well there. But this is a guy you can move around. I think he is stronger than Carson and he's going to be a vital piece. And I, I was the other last thing I want to say about him is I was told he's got starter capability. So this is not yeah. like a death piece, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things. Number one. The positional versatility is the first thing that jumped out at me. He started at, at left tackle as a freshman, right? Uh, and so that right there, if you're talking about, well, how can he play? He's actually had experience doing it. He's also flipped to the other side to play right guard, come back to play left guard. So he's moved up and down the line. And if you watch any of their film, I mean, you don't when you think Pac-12, you don't think physicality. That's why his jumps out at you. Right, you don't you don't see a bunch of phys- a lot of physicality when you watch Pac-12 football, but this dude jumps off the film when you watch him. He is an impact guy. So whether it's guard or tackle, I think a lot of that depends on who winds up returning. Right, yeah. I think you know you could see 
depending on how things go NIL-wise. I mean, that that's the factor. I mean, NIL played a huge role in Hunter Dickinson coming back. And so I have zero doubt that part of the consideration for the guys who have eligibility left, your Trevor Keegan's, your Zach Zinner's, right, they have to take a long look at my draft prospects. And my draft prospects are so outstanding that it doesn't make sense to come back, fine. But if you're on, if it's on the fence, like if your if your grade comes back, your eval comes back, and it's like, yeah, you're gonna be picked. It might you you're you're from the third round to the you know to the end of the draft, somewhere in that range. If, then maybe nil starts to make more sense, like it did for for Hunter. They're talking second round, maybe undrafted. You know what? Yeah, he got, he has a path to the NBA. It might be a securitist route, securitist route, but. You could get there, but why would you do that now when you come back and make however much Hunter is making NIL-wise? And I think the guys up front have that to consider. So, and, you know, weighing it is probably more of a consideration for, for Trevor than, uh, than Zach. Time will tell, though. I mean, you could make it really, really enticing and maybe get some of those guys back. Long and short of it is, with the, with the Darius, what about those guys coming back? Well, guess what? You know, that can you can move him out to town or maybe you move him to guard and Zach Zinner plays plays center if you don't if you are ready to to move uh, Greg Crippen and you got a lot of different options. That's what is so beautiful about this pickup. He's a veteran. He's one of the leaders of that team. So I think I think you get some Olu in that regard. I'm not saying he's gonna come in and be a, an Outland trophy guy. I mean the guy just won the Outland and the Remington and was a Remington final this last year. He's not quite on that level, but as a leader, it should say something to you that in the absence of two captains this year, Kate McNamara and Eric All were basically abs- absentee captains this year, right? In the absence of that, of them, the leadership quotient on this team didn't skip a beat. You ever sat and thought about why that is? Yeah, there's some other other real leaders on this team, but Olu Olu Atimi. I remember going to the uh, to the the with the pure Michigan tour before the season started. And he guys on the team were talking about giving him votes for captain then before he had even played a down at Michigan. So the, you can't underscore, you can't overstate enough the value of a veteran leader like that. And I think Ladarius is going to bring some of that quotient to the table as well. Again, I'm not ready to say that he's going to come in and, and be Olu's impact as a player or as a leader, but he's going to at least give you some of that. He's going to give you some of that in this edition. I think it was a big pickup by by Sharon and the guy. And, and again, they're Joe Moore Award finalists. You look at not only that, you look at what he just did with Olu as well. You're like, oh man, give me there's supposed yeah, give me some of that. Let me let me get that too because the big part of it for him is going from a loser to a winner and improving your stock at the same time, Bryce. Yeah, and I, I think, like you were saying with uh, Zitter and Keegan, I mean, depending on where they fall, I mean, that's a big jump in terms of money, you know, and what contracts look like. So I think Ladarius, he was in the same boat. You know, I think he definitely would have got drafted. I don't think there's a question about that. It's more so of where you get drafted, you know. And so I think, like you said, Sam, outlining Zinter, that Keegan, picture. Zitter, Keegan, and Hayes. I should have mentioned all of them. But, yeah, there you go. So I think how you outlined in his picture, yeah, when you look at it from that standpoint of view, 
there's a lot going towards Michigan, why he would want to look at Michigan. And the other thing I was told was J.J. McCarthy also played a role and was a guy that, you know, he said, hey, come on. <laughs> that's, that's what, just like he did. You remember we went out to when he came during the COVID year uh, and they were out at Celine and they were working out and, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of questioning about whether he would stay committed to the class. And he said, no, I'm coming. And these guys are coming with me. And he said, if some of them decide they don't want to, that's fine. You know, they, they could go do what's best for them. The Deion Sanders. He's yeah, his but, own luggage. <laughs> but we're, but we're going to win championships when I come here and the dude fulfilled a promise, man. And, and so uh, he's doing his best to help bring others into the fold to help continue because uh, fulfilling that promise, because it wasn't just a Big Ten championship, he promised. He promised a national championship as well. So he, he might be able to fulfill that one this season. But if if you do it once, why not do it again, right? So he's trying to do it again. Yeah. So he's building up that roster. And I think the last point of view with Elise Ladarius, like you pointed on as well, was he was a captain. You know, and this is a guy that brings in great leadership. You know, they're going to have some shuffling up front and. Biggest reason I think a lot of people would agree for Michigan's success, and maybe they didn't look at it as much when they were two and four, was just simply the culture, mm-hmm. you know. And I think when they do look at the transfer portal, and I know this for a fact, they're looking at not only how does he fit on the field, but how does he fit in the locker room? You know, how's he going to gel with the guys? And you brought up the whole Ulu thing where he's almost getting voted as captain. Yeah, man. So obviously they hit the mark on him, not only as a player, but as a person. And Ladarius is what you want both on the field and off the field. Yeah, man. So uh, I don't think, I know Michigan isn't done targeting offensive linemen in the portal, right? They're, they're also targeting um, uh, some defensive line help and they're definitely targeting corners. So we'll probably spend a lot more time, uh, because there are so many guys that are looking at it at the corner position. We'll spend more time on that next week. But you have a Fintro Cypress, who Steve Wolfong talked about uh, out of UVA. That's another Olu connection, right? So if you're looking to see what it's like in Michigan, he, you know, Fintro could just talk to his man to find out what it was like. And you could see what it was like on the field. You could see what it was like individually for him with the, the awards <laughs> he just pulled down. But he's won Tony Grimes and stormed Tony Grimes, who Michigan recruited feverishly out of high school, but Tony Grimes and Storm Duck from, from UNC are two other DBs uh, that are on, on the radar. Uh, and that's going to continue. Uh, you know, I think they're going to continue to fan out when it comes to, to DB pursuits, because I think that's the biggest position to need to have uh, some corner help that could come in and immediately, because you don't know what's going to happen with, with, uh, with DJ, with DJ Turner and Jamon Green. So, you know, depending on what happens with them, I mean, you're real thin at that corner position. Uh, granted, you could go get some some freshmen that could come in and help you, but ideally, you're really able to help fortify that that position uh, in the uh, in the portal, Bryce. And and then I know there's some some other offers that have gone out, right? Yeah. So obviously, um, they offered tight end as a position they're looking at, but before that, uh, edge rusher. They offered Josiah Stewart who is the guy that played at Coastal Carolina, was the preseason uh, all-sunbelt player of the year. Um, 
production-wise, he didn't get as much as he did his freshman year, but he still put up very good stats. And this is a guy that Michigan kind of recruited in, in the 2020 class, um, the guy that they looked at for some time because he came from a territory that Michigan fans might be familiar with, which is Everett, Massachusetts, when Michigan was on that uh, – I don't even want to what to call it, but that big old Northeast push for several years. And they did land some very quality guys from uh, that side of the region, like Mikey Sancho. Uh, so they're both from the same high school. They both have a connection. Mikey even went on Twitter when Josiah got that offer and said, you know, like, this is the move. Um, we'll see, because now Josiah, every day he's post, I think, three to four new offers. So he's going to be a hot commodity within the transfer portal. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Michigan's being more active this time around than I've seen in previous years. And I think that's just the new area, new era of college football and how you got to basically manage not only your recruiting class, but your roster, your current roster. So you kind of have to do that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, tight end. Tight end is another one, right? As we just saw Eric All go in the portal, and we'll talk about that uh, shortly with Eric All and Kay McNamara jumping in the portal. Kay winding up at, at Iowa, seeing his, his uh, YouTube interview here, a little reaction to that. Before we get to what I think is a, was a factor for both of them, and where Cade wound up and where Eric eventually winds up, and that is the NIL consideration. You got to imagine that every guy that is in the portal is really researching the NIL possibilities. Uh, we haven't talked to Darius Henderson about this yet, but I I venture a an educated guess that that was a, a consideration for, for him. And so, um, you know, with Eric, getting back to that going into the into the portal yeah Michigan still has a really talented tight end room led by Colston Loveland who I think is the most talented guy they've had at that position in recent memory uh they use so many tight ends Bryce that you know you you gotta go out I mean they use (laughs) a couple of times this year we've seen four tight ends on the field at the same time so they use them a lot yeah, and tying in is going to be a point of emphasis, I feel like, every year, you know. And I think Michigan, a lot of fans and other people, pundits, have said Jim Harbaugh has kind of evolved, but not all the way, to Stanford's offense. And when it was at its peak with Andrew Lux, Sam, look at the tight ends he had at his arsenal. You know, Kobe Fleener and Zach Ertz and some of these guys. and. I think Colston Loveland can be just as good as those guys. You know, I remember when I went down to Idaho, I mean, I said, he's going to be playing on Sundays and people laughed at me. And they said, how do you know that with the competition you're watching him play against? And I just said, there's just something about him, you know, and Brandon Huffman, who is a great, you know, 24 seven sports analyst, national guy for us, does recurring, does a phenomenal job. He made him a four-star and a lot of, he got a lot of flack about making a four-star out of Idaho and now he looks like a genius. But going forward, like you said, recruiting the tight end position is going to be pivotal and a thing they have to address every cycle. And Michigan, not only have they done that so far in the 2023 class, they actually have done that pretty well now to start off the 2024 class, getting a commitment from top 247 uh, four-star tight end 
Hogan Hansen from State of Washington, all the way from Washington, Sam, you know. And we thought, hey, when Corny Morgan left, how much are they going to really have a factor in the state of Washington? And even on the West Coast, it seems like they're still doing a pretty good job on that side of the country. Um, and with Hogan, he's 6'6", 220 pounds. Um, you watch his film, though, it's very interesting because they don't really use him tons, you know. And you see him playing the edge. And he reminds me basically of Brady Prescorn, where if you watch him in high school, you're like, obviously you can see the skills, um, you know, athleticism, the speed, the size, everything you want, but he's not like getting targeted 20 times a game, you know, and he's playing both sides of the ball. So Hogan reminds me very much of Brady, and he's the guy that I think is going to develop into a great tight end at Michigan right now I don't think he's an inline tight end I think he's more of a flex guy you're going to see more on the outside but if you come to Michigan you know you're going to have to block that's that's a must that's not a secret here and he came up for the barbecue at the big house loved his visit returned instantly after that visit he made a return trip for the Penn State game came away very impressed to the point of where when he talked to Blair Angula for 24-7 Sports, who wrote that story, um, or I think it might have been Brandon Huffman even, that he said, I kind of knew at that point after the Penn State game, this is where I wanted to be. Washington was a big factor in this recruitment as well. But in the end, he liked what Michigan had to offer on and off the field. And he said one of the biggest pluses was just getting away from home. He said that actually was a big plus for him. He wanted to kind of spread his wings and get away from the home nest. And so this is a huge pickup. And it's one of those things where we need to start talking more about Grant Newsom being a recruiter because he's starting to show he's just as good of a recruiter as he is a position coach. You know, what he's done losing Eric all this season and how he's transformed that room. I mean, you've seen contributions from Max Bredesen and obviously Colston Loveland evolve in this offense in recent weeks to the point of where he's an exciting coach, not only what he's doing on the field, but on the recruiting trail. So this is a huge pickup in terms of the 2024 class, which now has three guys of the four committed who are four-star uh, commitments. Yeah, and so the the Eric Hall departure was, was, was jolting because – I'm talking about the fans. It was jolting because it was uh, – it, it sort of came out of blue. It was unexpected. Uh but when you talk about the uh, you know, how it's going to hit them from a leadership and performance standpoint, you know, Michigan's going to be fine. You know, you, you got to learn to roll with, with those punches, especially, and these seem to be some easier punches to roll with. You never like to lose a, a good player, and Eric was a good player, a, a good dude. Uh, relationships spray. I mean, marriages break apart all the time. You can have good people. Both can be good people. And in the relationship, uh, they just grow apart and they go their separate ways. And sometimes that is for the best. It's better, they're better apart than they, are, than they were together. And I said after the news broke that he felt ostracized from the team. Uh, who are we to say that he shouldn't? I, I won't be presumptuous and say he shouldn't feel that way. He, he should feel how he thinks he should feel about how he thinks he was how he thinks he was treated, right? From from Michigan's perspective, I think they would say uh, they went out of their way to make him feel 
included after the injury happened. Now, I don't know about everything that happened with the surgery and, and thereafter, but that that's a dispute is more of a reason why you just part ways. And then you look at Michigan from a talent standpoint. Yeah, Eric was a good player, but you got tight ends. Like, you got ball players. And in Colston Loveland, you got a guy who I think, going, whether it's any of the recent tight ends, you go back to Jake Butt, who's my guy. You go back to any of these tight ends we've seen this century. And I think Colston Loveland is more talented than all of them. So you, you're going to be fine at the position. And then from a leadership standpoint, I said earlier in the, in the uh, podcast, you lost two captains. Did you feel it? Did you feel the loss of leadership? From from Eric, who was around, right, even after the, the injury, before the surgery. And then Cade, who, after his deal, was, wasn't around anymore. Did you feel the absence? You didn't, right? The team didn't. They're 13-0. and 0. So the reason why that comes up, you mentioned Ladarius Henderson looking at things like culture. If Michigan had a culture problem, they wouldn't be 13-0. and 0. If Michigan had a leadership problem, they wouldn't be 13-0. and 0. Talent doesn't overcome culture and leadership issues. Ask Texas A&M. Texas A&M maybe has the most talent in the country. What's their record? So you can't look at Michigan and say, oh, well, they just have guys. Doesn't matter, you know, if, if the locker room has a culture problem or a leadership problem. Clearly they have neither. And you've seen the players kind of speak to that. And so in keeping with what I just said about Eric, and, you know, having to do what's best for him, I imagine, you know, you got to weigh your NIL options, too. It may seem like a slam dunk following his man, Cade, who's obviously his guy, one of his best friends, right? Following him to Iowa seems like an ideal thing. They actually use the tight end there. Like, if I'm a receiver, I'm not looking at Iowa. Like, why would you look at I? Look at Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones, he, it's like he was escaping purgatory. It, it was like he was chained down. And then he he was he was set free going to Purdue, right? That dude was languishing at, at Iowa. So it makes no sense for any receiver with it worth any salt to go to Iowa. It makes no sense. But tight ends? Oh man, it's tight end heaven. Right? It makes sense. So that would make sense for Eric. And you would be a favorite target by the quarterback, right? So that makes sense. But you know, if you're him, he has a kid to look after, right? You better be weighing all of your options NIL-wise, too, which I imagine is why that thing hasn't already come to fruition. But getting to the the Cade piece, I told people last year that these two quarterbacks, if Cade wins the job, don't expect J.J. just to – I don't care what they're saying publicly. If if Cade McNamara wins this job, I don't expect J.J. to be around. If J.J. wins the job, I don't expect Cade to be around. Now, I told you from the, from, from the start of the season, I thought J.J. was going to win the quarterback job. It didn't, you understood why he didn't win it last year, because he's a freshman, right? Cade's a, he's a veteran. He's, he's, he's been part of helping the team kind of recover from, you know, the, the, the COVID season, which was a disaster, right? He's established some some leadership in the locker room, and he's trustworthy. The coaches, whose jobs are on the line, like you, you wonder how they would have acted 
how they would have made that decision if if it were if it weren't you know your life your coaching life hanging in the balance if you were secure let's say you were coming off of let's say you know the the 2021 season all the circumstances the quarterback scenario in the 2021 season was the same but the season you had before let's say the 2020 season was a Big 10 championship season and you beat Ohio State how do you evaluate the quarterback battle at that point? Do you play it as safe as they did? Where they say, hey, we got a, a guy who has, who has been here. He's gone through the ringer. He's a leader on the team. Uh, and we can trust him on the field to, to not take too many risks, to not take too many chances. He's, gonna, he's going to be responsible with the football, right? He's going to manage the game. Whereas JJ, on the other hand, world of talent, you saw it from a minute he got on the football field. But, man, we haven't seen him out there before. And we watched a young fella in practice. He's going to try some things. Uh, we, let's, let's just try to spoon feed that in there. It made sense for that to be the approach last season, right, the 2021 season. But heading into this year, now that J.J. has been through the, has been through the ring or has some experience, now you got to have a real competition. 21 wasn't a real competition, right? 22 was a real competition. Now, you got to be better if you're JJ. You got to be better than, you know, than, than you were uh, at any point during the last year because now Cade has, he has a resume. He's actually led the team to a championship. And, you know, I don't, I don't diminish and, and downgrade his contribution to that team like a lot of fans do. It, it, look, he played a key role, a pivotal role in helping that team win a Big Ten championship, but was he the catalyst for it? And so that's what you're looking for. Why is there a competition coming off of what they just had, a Big Ten championship and a playoff appearance? Why do you even have a competition? And watching Kay's video, you know, that he had, that, that, interview, that seems like that was their question. Why is there even a competition when we, I just won the Big Ten championship. I'm the Big Ten championship quarterback. Ain't that what he said? You remember that press conference? He said, I'm the Big Ten championship quarterback. Why is there even a competition? The reason there's a competition is because if you're going to win a national championship, odds are you're going to need a, a quarterback performance where it's a, that quarterback is a catalyst. And that's not saying that K couldn't do it, but he was going to have to show that in a real competition. He's going to have to show that he was better then this young fellow who he had another advantage over. So he had the advantage of the season that he just had, right? He had the advantage of spring ball, right? Because J.J. couldn't compete in spring ball. He had the shoulder injury. But if you're hardball and you head into fall camp, no, we're going to have a real competition because for the express reason that I just laid out, we might need our quarterback to put us on his back. J.J. McCarthy at Ohio State without Blake Horn. We, we might need our quarterback to step up and basically be the reason that we won this game. J.J. McCarthy down at Ohio State with Donovan Edwards with a broken hand in the first half, and we need you to make some plays, right? We might need our quarterback to do that. And so we got to find out, is that K, right? Or is that J.J.? Now that he is, now that he's healthy, we're going to see which one you couldn't really get 
a feel for that in practice. Practice is not going to tell you. You're not going to render a verdict on that. You need some gameplay. So that's why if you're Jim Harbaugh, you say, you know what? We're going to give y'all some games. We're going to see how it works out on the field. Now, you might say it's Hawaii and Colorado State. What are you looking to see there? Those opponents aren't going to apply the kind of pressure that the moment does, that the competition does. The competition was the pressure. The moment was the pressure. And frankly speaking, J.J. handled it better. If you go back and look at how those two quarterbacks performed in that, in that sequence, the numbers don't lie. J.J. performed better. K gets hurt. It's a moot point after that. But that is why you have that competition. Go back and look at, at Clemson. With, with Kelly Bryant and and um, what's my man's name? The, uh, Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence. You know, Kelly Bryant had led them to a playoff appearance in the conference championship the year before. And Dabo was like, hey, man, we got to see in some games how this is going to work out. And Kelly Bryant, those first four games, he played decent. He didn't play poorly. But through those four games, Dabo said, you know what? I'm going to need something extra. Something beyond what we had last year to win the whole damn thing. And so he went with Trevor Lawrence. And Jim Harbaugh did the same thing. So, again, when, when it gets to getting on a video, talking about the other guy fumbled the game away, when the fumble didn't, first of all, the fumble wasn't his fault, and the fumble didn't end the game, and you had another possession, and the, and the game ended in an interception, that, when, when it gets like that, that's when it's, it's okay. You know what? It's time to do something different. It's better for both sides for him to go this way and, and for Michigan to continue being 13-0. And Cade landed in a great spot at, at Iowa, right? Going to be in a, in, a, in a heavy play action, hit the tight end, you know, spoon feed the tight end, a lot of throws, you know, not, not throwing the ball 30, 40 times a game. Not gonna, they, it's not going to be a quarterback-dependent offense. That's not Iowa. Right, and there's an opportunity for him to really thrive there. He's going to be better than than Spencer than these last two quarters. He's going to be way better than them. So there's a chance they can get back to winning the West. Right. Meanwhile, Michigan can continue, like I said, doing what they do, thirteen and zero, chance for a championship. You're coming off beat Ohio State in Columbus, right? And your quarterback seems to really be rounding into form, rounding into leadership form. Right. So you can definitely see the guys looking to him. That's why I was talking about earlier in the, in the deal here, Bryce. If you lose two captains, you would think your locker room takes a major hit. And nothing like that happened. They 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 kept it moving. It was they didn't miss a beat. That has everything to do with guys like Olu and Ronnie, of course. And uh, you looked at over on defense and and see the guys over there. But. J.J. played a huge role in that as well. And then the other piece, the unspoken piece, that's going to be better off for Michigan, all this kumbaya stuff that you saw in the media about, you know, J.J. and Kane. And J.J. says nothing but nice things, right? Man, that was the frostiest relationship known to me. I'll just tell it. That was a frosty deal. That was, that was um, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers frosty, except not the same talent component, right? I'm not saying that you have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers talent-wise, but it was frosty like that. And so, you know, I credit those guys for not letting that be public. You know, you certainly 
credit JJ for saying, man, I learned a ton from from that guy, and he everything that he does. Man, come on, dude. <laughs> I was born at night, not last night. That was some frosty, frosty, frosty stuff. And you're you're seeing now with an interview like that. Yeah, that's how it really was. The interview, all that energy that you saw coming out in that interview, that's how it really was. And so now you don't have that anymore. That's better for the team, better for JJ, better for the for the guys who were doing well anyway, better for K2, right? So sometimes, I mean, lamenting losses that aren't losses is wasted energy. So stop lamenting losses that aren't losses if you're Michigan, if you're Michigan fans. Which brings us to the point where we're talking about some of the losses that Michigan has sustained. People are tying those to NIL, right? That was another thing that Kate talked about in this video. The NIL is not good and uh, so on and so forth and all this. Things are in motion, NIL-wise, at Michigan. You know, vetting collectives. and Because you not now you know the universities, the institutions can have formal relationships with collectives, right? So Michigan exploring that avenue. You have Jim Harbaugh really, really leaning into how do you expand the NIL opportunities for players, right? That is a major, major, major focus for them, even when it comes to a personal in, endeavor of his. So you remember, uh, if you watch any, some of the other programs we do, the, the football breakdown, for instance, I've been talking about this digital collectible platform called Distinct. Distinct partnered with Jim Harbaugh to do the Ann Arbor Digital Collectible, where, you know, he voices, he narrates the sights and sounds and feel of Ann Arbor, right? Uh, collectible owners, they can, uh, they, they'll get these special gifts and invites to exclusive events. So I was like, you know, I see other people say it's just another NFT. It's not actually going to have the, the, uh, the founder of Distinct on here shortly to talk about the difference why Distinct isn't just another NFT. But why is Jim Harbaugh leaning? Even if it was just another NFT, why is he getting off into this? And it dawned on me, this is an NIL play. He sees on the horizon the opportunity. Let's, let's say that you have the Mike. I'm just throwing this out. I'm not saying this is a thing. But let's say you have the Mike Sane Ristol. The Mikey same Ristol Digital. Vance would call it the Little Mike Digital Collectible, right? Because Little Mike is his guy. So let's say you have the Little Mike Ohio State experience where Mike St. Ristol is narrating his, the lead up to Michigan, Ohio State, the game, his big play, the aftermath, and this, this collectible moment that he's narrated, 500 of them are available and you can own one of them, right? They would sell out. They would sell out, right? And so I think Jim sees that on the horizon. And that's why he got involved with Distinct. And so when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk to Jimmy McLeod from Distinct. He will lay out what it's all about, what it is, the partnership with Jim, and then talk about the NIL play that is inevitably on the other end of this, in my opinion. And Michigan, I think, will probably be the first institution to be able to realize, all student-athletes to be able to realize it. But I think Michigan will be at the forefront of being able to jump on board with this. So let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side, talk to Jimmy McLeod from Distinct, and then we'll close things out with a conversation between Bryce and I talking about Nick Harbour and Jaden Davis.
Nick Harbour, and Jane Davis. So stay tuned. We'll be back on the other side here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here, folks, on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Obviously, signing day is right around the corner. Uh, and a lot of interesting recruiting uh, battles here down the stretch, some of which I'm sure you folks that watch this podcast all the time are saying, oh, man, how much of this is going to be influenced by NIL? You know, where is Michigan at with NIL? One of the things that we've been talking about here are some different NIL opportunities that I think Michigan is going to be exposed to. And one of them comes courtesy of this digital collectible experience that I've been telling you about for the last couple of weeks. Uh, from Distinct. So joining us now to make you more aware of the opportunities down the line from NIL perspective, to tell you about the uniqueness of this digital collectible and talk about Jim Harbaugh's, uh, you know, what his, what his sort of connection to it is, is the founder and a Michigan alum at that, Jimmy McLeod. Jimmy, how are you? Good, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, man. So I mentioned you're a Michigan alum. You got to be loving what's going on with your maze of blue right now. Oh, my God. The last two weeks have been fantastic. And uh, I was actually out there for the Michigan State game with my son. So it's been a great run heading out to Arizona. Looking forward to that as well. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute blast. And so, look, you expect great things from from Michigan grads, right? Especially Ross School of Business grads like you are, right? I mean, this is. um, I got to imagine being involved in a business venture that involves Michigan has to be, it has to make it feel a little more personal, doesn't it? It's near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I, I stepped foot in Ann Arbor in 2013, graduated in 2015, and it's a special place. And, you know, I like to share that with my kids now, bringing them out there on a regular basis. All right. So I've been telling people about distinct, a digital collectible, the, the having uh, an experience that you own in the digital space. And as we've talked about it, I have seen many of the viewers say in, in the comments, oh, this is just another NFT. So let's, let's start there, Jimmy. What is distinct? And, tell, and why isn't it just another NFT like some of the folks are saying? Look, at our core, we've built a tech platform over the last year where people can come to buy, sell, and create their own NFTs. And to be honest with you, you know, I was following the NFT space pretty closely and not understanding why people were spending a million dollars on a picture of an ape. But to be honest with you, the blockchain's not going anywhere. Uh, That's here to stay. And, you know, at its core, it's a digital ledger that shows ownership of something. And in the future, uh, it's our belief that everyone will own digital collectibles 
but the collectibles you own will be based upon the things that matter most to you, where you grew up, where you went to college. Um, and, and we're focused on audio, those distinct voices and those distinct moments that matter to you. And so for our launch, we focused on the things that matter to my life. Um, so we launched a Boston collection with Bill Walton and the Ann Arbor collection with Jim Harbaugh. And we couldn't think of a more iconic and distinct voice in the Ann Arbor community than Jim. And it certainly has helped uh, that the team's been on a run and winning. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, let's let's take this concept for, I mean, we have some viewers who don't even know what an NFT is, right? And so kind of kind of give them the, the the nuts and bolts. I mean, what what is the Ann Arbor Digital Collectible, for instance? Give give the the folks a real see, feel, and touch uh, a sort of explanation about what they're getting when they own the Ann Arbor Digital Collectible. Yeah, look, education is an important part of what we need to do. Um, you think about any sort of early adoption of anything in technology. Um, and you have the early adopters who bet on something and they dive right in. And then there's others that take a little bit of time. Um, but, you know, the Ann Arbor collectible focuses on the sights and sounds of Ann Arbor through the lens of Jim Harbaugh. Um, and, you know, it's an opportunity for individuals who purchase to own something, you know, a custom digital piece of content that unlocks future things, whether it be experiences whether it be other exclusive digital art, uh, chalk talks, um, virtual autograph signings, there's a ton of potential and there's a ton of potential for, you know, the current student athletes um, and, and others. And, and it goes beyond sports, right? You know, Ann Arbor has a soft spot in my, uh, in my heart and it represents more than sports. It represents, you know, culture, it represents uh, the community in general. And for anyone who's, stepped foot in Ann Arbor, either for a short period of time or an extended period of time, it leaves a mark. Um, and, and that's what we're looking to lean into. So you've partnered with, with Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the University of Michigan, uh, a, you know, basically a, a coaching icon. I mean, when you think of, of coaches in football, his is one of the names that comes up. And certainly when you come to Ann Arbor, he is a a name that is synonymous with Michigan. So having him narrate the the Ann Arbor experience is something that makes it special. And he, I know you, I wanted you to kind of share how that connection, you know, that connection kind of kind of came together, his passion for it. And I know he shared a little bit of that uh, in a in a video I've been sharing. For those who haven't seen it, here's Jim now talking about it. There's no better feeling than to be part of a team, part of a community, community part of a university, uh, feel like you belong, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much the whole ball game. So, Jimmy, that was uh, you and Jim there uh, at the very end in a, in a picture there. And this is, you know, Jim is a he's a guy that sort of is on the cutting edge of some things. You think about satellite camps and he was one of the first ones to do that. And 
you know, his staff comments. He he just he does different things that that puts him out front of of some of the other coaches. And this seems to be another one of those things. So I'm curious, you know, how how quick was the sale, how this all came together with you and he? Yeah, actually, when I was in college, um, I played baseball uh, at Holy Cross undergrad. And a lot of my friends from playing in the Cape League have gone on to uh, play in the big leagues. And I interned for a sports agency at the time, Athletes First. And uh, coincidentally, they worked closely with Jim and um, they made the connection to me and Jim. And, you know, during our during the bye week, uh, he worked with us. And, you know, you see that video there. He's so authentic and uh, he is a progressive thinker in the space. And, you know, it, it's an opportunity for us to work. When I was thinking about distinct voices, again, there couldn't be a more distinct voice in the Ann Arbor community, in my opinion, than Jim Harbaugh. And, um you know, during football season, obviously his time is uh, is super valuable and his focus is winning on the field. And um, this was an opportunity for us to work together um, and, and you know, hopefully lead to other opportunities with, you know, other uh, athletes in the Ann Arbor community and, and other, you know, talent. Now, you know, the, these experiences that he, he narrates, uh, is has he already done all his narrations are there going to be other experiences that he narrates coming up is this going to be a a sort of expanding collectible can you kind of take us into that you know it's it's certainly open-ended um you know you think about jim's one-liners and the opportunities around those especially within you know a creator platform where you can upload moments with your kids and you know marry it to different voices in the future we think about that broader than you know, uh, just Jim, but other, other, you know, iconic voices and, and things like that um, and putting that on the blockchain and, and, you know, the behavior today uh, in and around NFTs has been very speculative driven where it's, Hey, I'm going to buy a picture of this and the value is going to increase. We think that in the future uh, when people purchase digital collectibles or NFTs um it's going to be because of because of intrinsic value. You might not be looking to resell it. It might just be a way for you to commemorate something that's important in your life. And and ultimately, you know, Distinct wants Distinct wants to be the platform where you come to buy, sell, and create your own, um, and really create kind of the soundtrack of your life. Those sounds that are most meaningful to you. Right. And so I, I shared uh, a brief example. A couple of weeks ago, for those who missed that, here is a sample of what we're talking about. If you know, you know. Ann Arbor, Michigan, the 734. There's just nothing like it. From the moment you side saddle the river to you first step on the diag, you realize it's more than a destination, it's more than an institution. And it's even more than Saturdays in the fall. Although those are pretty special. He sort of leaned into that, didn't he? He did. He was great. I mean, again, he was a great partner throughout this process. And look, we're looking to build trust with consumers, right? This is a space that a lot of people, you know, just classify as they don't know what they're getting into. And, and, and Jim is someone who screams trust in the Ann Arbor community. 
Um, you know, we believe in the tech platform we're building that, you know, that builds trust and, you know, my background in and around the media space, uh, you know, further, our, our goal is to build trust with the consumer and then also deliver a really valuable product with not only the content, but also, you know, owning the Ann Arbor digital collectible with Jim Harbaugh unlocks other great experiences and creates that connection, you know, to the Ann Arbor community. So let's let's talk about that, and folks. Only a thousand, only a thousand of these uh, Ann Arbor digital collectibles were made available by Distinct. Still, some available for you. Distinct. So again, Distinct. So I'll put a banner up here shortly, so you can get yours. But you sort of just laid out a little tease there. I know you guys after the Ohio State game, uh, there was a a digital print, a specially themed digital print to commemorate the victory over Ohio State. That's like one of those add-ins, if you will. So can you give people some more examples of the things that they would get if they own the Ann Arbor Digital Collectible? Yeah, look, we want to hear from, you know, the consumers as well. You know, what do, what do they want? What do they want, right? But, you know, in terms of the platform we've built on the tech side, we're able to deliver additional content, uh, digital art to your wallet once you purchase. So you can purchase the Ann Arbor Digital Collectible with Jim Harbaugh for $100, but then it unlocks other experiences, whether it be, you know, an exclusive chalk talk in the future with a personality uh, from the Ann Arbor community, whether it be, you know, a watch party. Um, you know, the sky's the limit on what we can do. Um, but again, what we wanted to do to launch this company was focus on areas that we know and understand but, you know, you're only as uh, good as your, you know, your customer. And, and we want to hear from them what they want, right, to help shape this as we think about this for the future. But, you know, we're just getting started. We're seeing great engagement. Uh, we need to continue to educate because, you know, again, this is a new space. But our belief is, you know, the blockchain is not going anywhere. That's here to stay. And if you're going to be buying digital collectibles in the future, we want it to take place in our platform. Um, or create digital collectibles in the future. All right, so you're talking about the future. Uh, and if I know Jim Harbaugh, I know he's thinking about the future as it relates to Michigan. He's always thinking about, I, I think, he, he was at the forefront of, you know, players being able to transfer. He's been a staunch advocate for NIL opportunities. And this has to be one. So, I mentioned at the very beginning of our chat that there's going to be an opportunity for, for, for the student athlete population to really benefit from this. And with Jim Harbaugh being at the forefront, seems like Michigan is uniquely positioned for its student athletes to benefit from, from this. So kind of take me through how that might play out down the line uh, in the future how this might benefit Michigan from an NIL standpoint. You know, I, I, I think back to when I played definitely on a smaller scale, but um, you know, I wasn't thinking about generating and producing content. I wasn't thinking about uh, compensation, but you know, that's, that's what these athletes have grown up with, uh, especially, you know, this generation creating content on a regular basis, connecting with their, you know, thousands of social media followers and now they have the opportunity to monetize that. And so, you know, through a platform like ours, they can go directly to their fan base and sell directly to them. They can also use our platform, 
to uh, create and commemorate some of these, you know, moments throughout their four years on campus. You know, so as a high school athlete going to college or a current, you know, collegiate athlete, you need to be thinking about these things. And we want to be a platform that, you know, provides value to them, not only to reach their fan base, but also from a monetization standpoint, this is a huge part of the business going forward in and around uh, college athletics. And we think we're positioned nicely uh, to, to capitalize off of that and also drive value uh, to these student athletes. Well, folks, you can get yours now. Still some available over at distinct.so. Again, distinct.so. I'm really excited about what some of the experiences are that this is going to unlock. I've been teasing a few possibilities. Who knows? Maybe it's a maybe it's a, a moderated chalk talk or or a moderated QA, unique, exclusive experiences to owners of the Ann Arbor Digital Collectible. You can get in on yours now. There have already been some perks that have gone out, seeing some people be very, very excited. Uh, and I think most of all, uh, you could be on the forefront of, of helping get something off the ground that I think is going to be an NIL breakthrough. And I think it's really going to benefit Michigan down the line too, Jimmy. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me and, uh, you know, looking forward to Arizona. Go Blue. And we're back, Bryce. So, hey, man, listen, you see – this is this is the wave of the future. Digital collectibles, whether they be auto, audio or visual or what have you, uh, and this is going to be a great opportunity for student athletes down the line. Right now, uh, it's a great opportunity for for fans to get in on the Ann Arbor Digital Collectible feature. And Jim Harbaugh is going to have invites to these exclusive events, like we were talking about, and specially themed gifts. So you can find that over at distinct.so. Again, distinct.so, and get yours now. Why you can't be NIL is a big deal, Bryce. We know that. All these guys want to know. I mean, you, you are going to get the guy who makes the decision is, hey, how much money am I going to get? And that's, that's the total basis for his, his decision. But every guy we talk to these days at least wants to know that there's an NIL plan, right? Yeah. I mean, they want to know what their worth is. And some of these schools obviously are taking a different approach of how they're handling NIL when it comes to recruiting, basically pay for play essentially, and Michigan's looking more so for the opportunities once you get to school. But that also narrows down basically your pond, Sam, of athletes and guys you can target because there are guys that are going to come from certain areas or certain whatever backgrounds where they need the money, point blank. And they can't wait to see, you know, what comes about and what, what might come. And so that does or Michigan on the recruiting trail quite a bit. But at the same time, right now, you have a top 20 class. You And I, I think it's safe to say they have not recruited up to where many people thought they were going to be. With how yeah. this season has played out, probably Maybe. not where you thought this class would look like. But that doesn't we have, mean. We have not sugarcoated that all season, right? We've, caught, we've told it how it is. Hey, man, they've, it just hasn't been what you would expect it to be coming off the kind of season they had last year and what they're experiencing this year. Right. I think most people are thinking at least top 10, maybe even top five at this point, but case in point, they're in top 20. They have 18 commits. Um, I think obviously they can bolster that with on the transfer portal, getting a guy like Ladarius, that definitely helps. But 
going forward, they're going to need to figure out a plan of attack of how they want to approach NIL when it comes to recruiting, you know. And I think right now Michigan has made several steps in the right direction. And I think going forward you're going to see a difference and you're going to see more interest from several guys that maybe, I don't know, six to eight months ago, wanted look at Michigan because of NIL being a factor in their recruitment. And now with some of these opportunities, Sam, like you're talking about, it's more enticing for these guys to look at Michigan. Whereas, you know, bottom line again, if that's the whole thing, their decision is down to NIL, they're probably not going to get that kid point blank. It's just, I don't one thing. I don't think that's the type of kid they want in their program and what they want to build it around Jim Harbaugh. But, at the same time, everyone wants a dollar in their pocket or two or three, you know, so I'm not going to fault the guy for looking at how much I can make, but it does play a factor in this class and going forward and you got to make the right steps. And I think Michigan right now is going in the right direction, but it takes time and some schools haven't taken as much time. I think that's the frustrating part about all this. Yeah, it it does. I you know it's been a, a deliberate pace to it, but it is pacing, uh, and I can see guys vetting the the possibility. So Nick Harbor, I know that in his first of all, Nick said I, I'm in NIL wherever I go. I've said that before, which <laughs> and, is true, which, which is, is absolutely true, some right? Of I guys, mean, yeah, some of these yeah. guys are going to get NIL regardless yeah. of where they go. Yeah, he's one of those dudes where. You could have no NIL initiative at all, and he's still going to thrive. So it's just yeah. – I continue to think that the track piece will will be – will wield more influence. I mean, that's, that does, that's not to say that you can't you, – you could, you know, approach him and have no NIL, uh, you know, game plan at all. That's, that, that's a no-go. I mean, you at least got to sort of lay out a blueprint for him. And I think that's been done by all the institutions, right, about what it would look like if he uh, went to their respective school. Uh, Michigan was down at his school, I want to say Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, uh, Bellamy was in in D.C. You know, his recruitment is going to be longer to play out. So you want to save when you get your head coach in there because he's not going to be deciding until uh, the next signing period. Uh, But I will say this to sort of um, revisit my handicapping of the race before I thought it'd be LSU would, would rise up and maybe be the biggest threat. Uh, maybe SC uh, at the end, if, if things uh, kind of picked up steam, like they back to where they have been in the summer. But yeah, I'm, I'm a buyer that is South Carolina, that the South Carolina, the, that they've been able to sustain the momentum that they picked up suggests to me that they are, they are the biggest threat to Michigan right now. They've done a heck of a job recruiting him. Uh, Shane Beamer, uh, you know, the personal touch. Heard Nick talk about that. Uh, the whole staff recruiting effort, right? Now, he went down the game he went to. They got, the, they got destroyed, but they recovered, right? They, they've recovered to go on and have a nice season. You saw what they were able to come out. How they were able to finish the season. Spencer Rattler. Really uh, stepped up there, so they have some things to sell. But I, I think maybe even bigger, and I, I keep hearing some some track buzz there. 
and checking with with people more versed in in the track aspect of things than I, I say is their track program better than Michigan check even checking with some people in Nick Circle and saying no it's not you know their track program isn't better than Michigan's uh at all at least not from their perspective now I don't know what the what the rankings say but from the perspective of the people around Nick it's not like discernibly better uh at all what might be the case and this is what I got to check into some some rumblings that you know, there's a DMV contingent on the track side, whether there be guys that they're recruiting, guys and girls that they're recruiting or ones that are already there, that that might be resonating with themselves. So that's one of the things that we're digging into right now to see if that's something that's sort of helped vault them. But I say all of that, still believing that Michigan is a team to beat in that race. Uh, that continues to be the vibe that I'm getting from those around him. Uh, very close to him, uh, those who are are privy to the recruiting going on and talk to coaches. Um, I think that the the sentiment being expressed from inside is that Michigan still has a leg up, not not a slam dunk. And I think how Michigan finishes out this class and maybe how they start the next one could be a factor. Because what if, what if? You had a five-star quarterback. That was a part of it. Now, J.J. McCarthy is a part of the next year, right? But Nick Harbour, if J.J.'s, if he finishes this season, like I think he's going to finish it, and has the season next year that I think he's going to have, he's gone. So that means that's only one year Nick Harbour. And so Nick has to be like, okay, well, what about after J.J.? What about after J.J. McCarthy? What if you were able to add a Jaden Davis? I think Jaden Davis I think Michigan, I put this on the board, is inside the 10 with Jaden Davis. I put in a crystal ball a little while ago uh, following Steve Wolfong because I got to get my own. I got to do my own chasing. And I put a crystal ball level of uh, a confidence level of seven on it. I think Michigan is at the stage now where it's about like, hey, now it's the closing. It's, it's closing time. I don't know. I don't know how that song goes. Is this a song that says it's closing time? There is. There is. There's one that says that. I don't know it. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, it's closing time for Michigan, man. And Jim Harbaugh, Matt Weiss, and Ron Bellamy at Charlotte Providence day-to-day, right? So you get with the coaches and the teachers and all of that, and you do some meanly checking in on the guy. And then I think it'll be a matter of, you know, finishing things out with the conversations they have with, with Jaden, with his family, about the opportunity at Michigan. I think the other thing that like you talk about with all these all these guys, your 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 NIL blueprint, what it looks like for different guys, not actual deals on the table, but what the opportunities look like. And this is where JJ McCarthy comes in again, Bryce, because you said it earlier in the show about the kind of recruiter he is. JJ McCarthy has played a pivotal role and the McCarthy family, they played a pivotal role in Michigan making the strides with Jaden Davis that they made, right? So he's come to campus. Certainly he likes the NFL pedigree of the coaching staff. He likes the vibe. He likes the opportunity. But you got a guy who you trust and respect that's vouching for them. He being J.J. McCarthy. They being the McCarthy family. The Davises and the McCarthys go back to before Jaden was a Michigan recruit when Jaden was weighing his high school future 
And so the families got really close in that time. And they were, you know, using them as counsel. They were looking at IMG in some different places before they, before they settled on Providence Day. And so when he, when he became a Michigan recruit, it's like, oh, man, well, now we got somebody on the inside that we can talk to. And so they talk all the time. When the Davises come on visits, I think what they've been in, what, three games this year? Is it like three years? It was the Hawaii game. The uh, Michigan State. Michigan State. So it's at least two games. At least two. At least two. I think there's a third one in there. You know, it, it, he's been here at least four times. I know, right? Right. So, I, I mean, they would come up on campus and it's go hang out with uh, go hang out with the McCarthy's at their little tailgate, man. Right? That's that. Those are their people. So why is that important? If you want to get a feel for the NIL possibilities, who do you talk to? Who do you talk to? You talk to J.J. McCarthy. Now, that, that's a private thing. A school can't go out and say, J.J. McCarthy is, is making this much. Right? Because J.J. doesn't have to tell them at the end of the day. How much he's how much he's making? They don't have to. They don't even have to. You know, have be privy to all of of the the dollars and cents, right? But but to the extent that they know, to the extent they have that information, they can't share it. They can't go tell Jaden Davis exactly how much JJ McCarthy's making, but JJ McCarthy can. Jim McCarthy can talk about the kinds of of opportunities J.J.'s had. And while I don't think that they are uh, too keen on going and sharing that information all over the place and having it out in the atmosphere, these are family friends. And this is a situation where I think they would feel a little more comfortable in sharing it. And so that can be a major, major assist for Michigan. When I went down there, he said he'd like to have this decision made sooner rather than later because he was tired of the process. And so I think, I think that there's a good chance that this – my gut tells me that this is leaning towards being over before the new year and that Michigan is in the pole position, right? So that would be a great way to start off 2024, right? And it would be in time to help recruit Nick at the end of the 2023 cycle, right? Goes hand in hand. Goes hand in hand for sure, for sure. And like you said, I think you made a great point with J.J., and because out of anyone with NIL, he's going to be exactly in his shoes. You know, let's say he does become the starting quarterback at Michigan in a couple of years. He's going to know exactly what JJ was going through because he's been talking with JJ and his family for how many years now? Yeah. So that's a big thing, man. That's a really big thing. And you talk about with this class, the 2023 class, they've had several guys definitely try to recruit and try to help build the class, but it's just not the same. You know, when you had JJ kind of as the flag holder of the class, you saw what he did. He brought in Donovan Edwards, who that was a very contested recruitment all the way to the very end, you know, several guys wanted to play with JJ. I think if Michigan can land Jane Davis they have a very legit shot of not only having a top 10 class, but a top five class of how they've already started before Jane Davis, you know, and that's not even to think about the possibility of Chan Goodwin, Jordan Chip, you know, several other guys from the same high school he goes to. 
David Sanders. Sam, who's the number one player in the 2025 class? Ball player. Talk about who could help Ball there, too. Ball so, And those two are tight. Those two are it's tight. It's something to think about. It's something sure. to think about. Sure is. Well, folks, look, we could go on forever. That just means that we have a lot left over for the next edition of the mm-hmm. Michigan Recruiting Insider. So be sure to tune in next time. As I always say, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcasts. That's Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Of course, if you watch us on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's a great way to show love. But the best way to show love is to go over to the MichiganInsider.com and subscribe over there. One dollar gets you in your first month. I promise you'll be hooked. Once you are hooked and become a full-paying member, that subscription will also get you access to Paramount+. Plus. It is unbelievable bang for your buck that cannot be beaten, so be sure to check us out over there. Until next time, folks, thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.